Thanks for joining us for the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue our series, Advent 2021. It's amazing how uh, you can have a single moment or a piece of news or something that can send your whole day sideways. I mean, it could even be good news. Um, lots of times it's bad news, but we all have our routines, right? You, you wake up and you kind of know your day. Maybe you really look forward to your cup of coffee. Maybe you get up and you turn on the news because you want to be depressed all day. <laughs> you know, we all have our routines, right? Maybe the greatest question we wake up with is, I wonder where we'll eat lunch today, right? But then sometimes you have a day where this news breaks in and you go, oh, God, it changed everything. And, oh, and maybe it's great news. I mean, I was thinking about... My parents, 43 years ago on April Fool's Day, um, they got news that one, they were pregnant with me, and two, that my dad got hired by Delta in the same day. I'm like, that's a great day. I mean, the Delta thing's okay, but they were pregnant with me. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, exactly. We should all be amen. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, you have these great days, right? So whatever you had planned for that day, this news arrived, and that's celebratory, right? So maybe you were just going to bake chicken, but now we're going out for steak. We're going to celebrate. Things are going to change. Or you have days like I had this past Tuesday where things went a little sideways. You see, Lisa and I have this little side business, and December is by far the busiest month for our little business. Also, December is a pretty busy month of the church. Also, I was speaking this week. I'm doing a wedding tonight. There's a lot going on, and I'm trying to keep my mind all around these things. And I'm also a musician, did you know? <laughs> and so my mind likes sparkly creative things, and I go off on these tangents, and so I have an assistant that goes, eh, list, list. Okay? I go, okay, gotcha, thank you. So Tuesday I had this plan came in with a plan. I'm going to work until about noon, and then I'm going to run home, finish some work there, do some study message prep. Then I'm going to run back. I'm going to rehearse the band. We're going to do some stuff to get ready for this week. It was like 14 hours of things I had set up. At noon, I get home, I open the door, and like our alarm system that we don't use, wait, this is online. We do use it. <laughs> it's, it's always on. Right? It beeps when you open the door, right? So I open the door, and Lisa works in the office at our house about half the time, a little more than half. And I knew she was there, and normally she hears that beep, and she says, hey, right? And I open the door, and I don't hear anything. I'm like, hmm, maybe she's on a Zoom call. I look around the uh, wall, and I can see this look of concern on her face. And I said, what's up? And she says, I think my grandfather passed away today. And honestly, my response at that point was, you think he did? I know that sounds weird, but it really was like, how do you not know? How do we not know? And it was just misinformation that was flying around. And so we were dealing with a, a lot of confusion at that time. And I had this stack of things that now all of a sudden I can't worry about because I need to sit there as we call relatives and we start figuring out how do we assist grandma the best we can. And she's in Marietta you know, an hour away. And, and so we're trying to figure out all these things. This news just shifted the day, right? And it happens to all of us. We don't see it coming, but it comes, 
Right? So just for a moment, let's consider these shepherds. It's a normal day. Right? They get up, much like the Dunkin' Donuts guy. They say, time to watch the sheep. <laughs> right? Pop quiz, how many shepherds were there? More than one. <laughs> right? There's an, it's plural. That's all the information we get there. Right? But they got up. They go to watch their sheep. They're watching their sheep. It's a normal day. God has been silent for 400 years. And then today, something happens, right? In Luke 2, see, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night, a normal day. This is what they do. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them. That's interesting, isn't it? Suddenly stood near you. If I suddenly stand near you, I'm probably going to freak you out. An angel of the Lord suddenly standing near me, terrifying. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The proper response at that time. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Now, have you ever been really afraid? And then someone said, hey, don't be afraid. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm not. <laughs> it's fine. Right? That's not how it works at all. You're like, not, don't be afraid. Okay? This is this crazy moment that they're taking. And don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A normal day. Started normal. Everything changed. I'm watching some sheep. Then wham! What the heck? What does this mean? You're talking about generations of God being quiet. Who does, what's even happening? How do I process all of this? In this phrase, the angel makes the statement, right? I bring you good news of great joy. And in this season, we sing about joy all the time. We sang it this morning. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And I can tell you, I've never thought about joy as much as I have over the last two weeks as I studied to prepare for this message. I think something inside of me, if I was deeply honest, thought, hey, I'm a new creation in Christ. I will experience joy. I think I thought it would be a natural reaction to knowing God, and that's somewhat true, but I think we, get, we don't put enough emphasis on it. And I'll tell you, I have trouble even defining it for you. But I know when I see it, and I know when I'm experiencing it. And so we're going to spend some time looking at this idea of joy because our world desperately needs Christians to be living a life of joy. Do you know every day in America, 132 people commit suicide? Every single day. And that doesn't include the 250 overdose deaths. And I've hung out with enough addicts and former addicts who will tell you a lot of those were not by accident. A world lost of hope and desperate for joy. So how do we define joy? Okay, it's, it's difficult. Joy is a gift from the Lord, and it's also a response to who he is. And I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is good. But it's these high points 
that we experience, right? It's the ceiling, but it's also a little cheap. It's a quick shot of dopamine to the brain. We go, oh, that was fun. I enjoyed that conversation. Or I laughed, or it's the roller coaster hitting the bottom, and you go, wow, that's great. Joy is the foundation that keeps us out of the dirt. Joy is the ladder that will climb us out of the pit. Joy is the strength. It's the grace you lean on in your greatest trouble. And it's also our response we have to God himself and what he has done. And the more you know him, the more you understand who he is, the greater your joy will be. Joy is knowing Jesus intimately. John Piper said, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Your purpose is to be with God, glorify him by enjoying him. And if you grew up in a culture at a church that was bashing the rules down your throat and you're like, oh God, none of this feels joyful at all. I'm trying to walk these lines. This is a hard statement to take in. I'm supposed to enjoy this God that's standing behind me waiting to just whip me. I'm supposed to enjoy him. Or maybe God feels so distant to you, and this is clearly a statement of relationship. How do I enjoy something that's so far away? But as we realize who God is, as we understand that he's in this room working and doing something right now, if we allow ourselves to be aware that he is doing something, we can experience the joy and enjoy him. The Bible speaks so much about joy in that bumper, a ton of quotes from the scripture. I really thought about at one point, I'm just going to stand up there and read scripture about joy because there's a million of them. But I tell you what it doesn't address is how to be happy when things are great. How to be joyful when things are great. You know why it doesn't address that? Yeah. You don't have to teach a seminar on that. Everybody can do it. But what it does say is, hey, count it joy when things are hard. Your joy is a gift and it requires you to fight for it. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and it's baffling to a lost world. I don't know if you know the story of Horatio Spafford, but Horatio in the late 1800s was a uh, attorney and a land investor, real estate investor in Chicago, and he had a series of days that went sideways in horrible ways. His son contracted scarlet fever and died. Then the Chicago fire of 1871 wipes out his fortune in real estate. And in an attempt to kind of get his feet back underneath him and let his family heal and mourn and figure out, he says, let's go on vacation. We're going to take a trip to London and we'll see if that helps. And so he puts his four daughters and his wife on a boat, sends them to London as he f finishes some work. Their boat is involved in a collision. His four daughters die. His wife survives and now is in London by herself. Horatio gets on a boat himself to go meet his wife so they can mourn together and figure all of this out in this crazy modern day Job experience. 
And the captain of the ship that Horatio is on knows his story. As they're passing over the area where the boat sank, the captain says, here's where your babies lie. And as God ministers to Horatio in those moments, as he looks over those waves, he pins words that for 150 years we have sung to comfort ourselves in the love of God. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And from an outsider perspective, and honestly, when we tell the story, we don't say 13 times he cried himself to sleep. Who knows? I'm sure he mourned drastically. And in the moment, he had an option of saying, God, this is not fair, and turning away from him. But instead, God, he allowed God to minister to him and do something miraculous, not only in him, but for us for this long. There's something powerful in singing. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But sometimes we look at what somebody's going through, and we can quickly, even as Christians, turn into Job's friends and say, man, maybe God just has it out for you. Maybe you should curse God and die. Because we can't experience what they're going through in that moment So we choose our misunderstanding. Our reactions to these moments seem otherworldly and supernatural when God is truly involved because they are, because we are not of this world. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we are in this world, and I know some of you are going through the hardest time in your life right now, and you're like, don't talk to me about joy right now. Learning to focus on the Lord and allowing him to minister to you. Seeing your life through the lens of eternity is a practiced habit and it's something that we need to fight for. When I think about a life that was lived with joy, I think about my brother Julian. And many of you knew him. He's been gone for a little while now. But he sang on the stage with us. He was a talented man. He sang opera. He was a great piano player. He was an actor. He had been in several commercials. Um, he was a soccer coach. I mean, just all over the place. About the only thing he didn't master was the English language. He was from Belize, and he just had this thick accent. It was just it was fun, though. One of the greatest individuals. Well, Julian started getting sick. He was mid-60s, 66 or so, and he, um, he couldn't walk up the stairs anymore, and he couldn't stand. And so some of our guy singers would carry him up the stairs and sit him in a seat and give him a microphone so he could continue to worship. He longed to give God his affection. He wanted to tell God how much he cared for him and how he, amazed he was by the love God poured out of him. He really had joy. And I remember he went to the hospital and he was there for a long time. 
and he had a short stay in this rehab facility, and I decided, you know, I'm going to take my guitar up there and go sing with Julian. And I walk in this place, and it was quiet. I mean, like a library quiet. The occasional just little beep of machines, and I'm walking in with a guitar, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of a rule follower. You might not know this about me. Tim, not so much. Me, I am. Um, so I come in there, and I go to his room, and I look in, and he's sitting in a wheelchair asleep, and I put my guitar down in the case, and when I open the latches, he hears it, and he opens his eyes, and I say, Julian, I thought we'd worship a little bit, and he smiles at me. See, the sickness was stealing his voice as well. Like, he had this beautiful singing voice, and he, it was just gone. He couldn't hold it together anymore. And so we start playing, right? And I'm playing kind of quietly, trying to be respectful to what's going on. But Julian wouldn't have it. He was trying to sing, and he was having so much trouble, he'd say, Nick, sing louder. Sing louder, Nick, as if to make up for the volume he couldn't push out of his voice anymore. If you ask me to define worship, it's giving God your attention and affection. And he was like, this isn't enough for my king. And he had every right, we would feel, to say, God, this isn't fair. You're robbing me of all these things that I love. That was not his response. His response was singing to his king and filling a room, a building, with melodies to the God he loved. And at one point we're playing and we're singing loud. Because I'm not going to tell this man no. Right? I'm just singing loud. And this nurse comes and she gets in the doorway and she leans up and I went, do I need to stop? She goes, no, no, I just want to listen. I'm like, okay, here we go. And then his wife comes in and his mother-in-law and then we're all just worshiping in this place that was dead silent before and now it's filled with the praises of God. Missed the man. Loved him so much. Such an example to me. I learned so much about worship in that moment, that hour, hour and a half, that I got to just sit with him and saw exemplified in him the phrase of Paul to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, if I'm here, I'm going to give it all I got. I'm going to love you, God, but if you take me home, that's okay, too, because I want to be with you. Whew. You see, joy, I don't say this because I'm the worship pastor, but joy is exemplified in our praise to our king. And man, and let me tell you what, if you suck at singing, I feel like that's even better. <laughs> If you sing to the Lord and you know you're terrible, just give it to him. If you're great, man, your intentions might be, you know, all over the place. Like, God, thank you for this gift you've given me, you know, or whatever it is. But if you're terrible, you know, like, I just want to love you, God. Right? Oh, Ephesians 5.19 says, express your joy in singing among yourselves, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts for the ears of God. Thank God 
at all times. And what is the response of those angels in that scenario right there with those shepherds? As soon as they announce what happens, you know what happens? They start praising God. They say, glory to God in the highest because joy brings us to singing. Don't pretend like y'all don't sing in the shower. I know you do. And see, the problem is for us, man, we give so much weight to our problems, so much thought effort. We spend so much time consuming it. No wonder we get down and away from joy. We're giving it so much weight. We're honestly giving it the glory that God is asking for. Glory is weight. It's where do I put this? If Jesus is going to be preeminent, he's the most important thing in my life. But God, I'm consumed by this issue. And I'm not saying your problems are so super small. I'm just saying that you can walk through it with God and not be alone. And you can know joy there. Joy is the lens that we see our problems. And the Bible talks about this over and over again. To say, hey, you're not of this world. How you handle these things should be done with joy. James 1, honestly, it started freaking me out as I was thinking about this passage this week. Right? This, <laughs> this letter, he says, hey, what's up? I'm James. Consider it joy when you have trials and troubles. Straight up. I mean, that is the beginning, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know who he's writing this to? People who are running for their lives. They saw the stoning of Stephen. They're like, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm scared. He's going, hey, consider that pure joy. God's doing something in that. Don't miss it. So if you are in this great trial right now, and you look up here and you're like, I don't know what this lumberjack is talking about. I just say that because this flannel shirt was a bad choice. It's warm up here. <laughs> um, I'm not saying this is easy at all. I'm saying you don't have to be alone. You can have the foundation of joy and really knowing Christ instead of just being all alone in your fight. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Don't miss God in it. He's doing something. It's not that he forgot about you. It's not that he's trying to punish you. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to heal you. And he really does get it. He understands. And the people around you who don't understand how you respond with joy, it's okay. He's working on you. He's working on me. So how do we fight for joy? Three things. First, we're going to focus on God. We're going to praise God. We're going to give him our attention and our affection, right? Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle in the sin which so easily entangles us. 
And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, looking only at him, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus. This, the greatest fight you'll ever have, the greatest battle you could, that you could never win has been won for you, and it can't be taken away from you. And the perspective of every other trouble we have has to be placed against that as heaven as our backdrop. In Philippians 4, we see this roadmap, almost this like checklist for joy. And this passage went from something I've heard a thousand times to maybe one of the more challenging things I've ever read. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Hmm. I don't know if when you read that, I think for a long time, I just took that as like a suggestion. But if you read that, that is much more of a command. And how do we do that with all of the things that we experience throughout our day and throughout of our, our lives? And I think Paul knew that when we read that, we were going to be like, what? Because what does he say? And again, I say Rejoice. It's like as if somebody heard him say that and he said, wait, what did you say? I said rejoice. Come on. Do you understand the gravity of what God has done? Some of you have been in church your whole life and we read this Christmas story and it almost seems normal. There ain't nothing normal about it. The affection that God has for you is extraordinary. Some of you have fought a battle of whether you're even worthy of his love. Let me tell you, you're not, and he gives it to you anyway. Amen. So quit fighting it. Let him be who he is. Let him look down on you and say, I'm proud of you. I love you. And step into it and really experience that joy. If you move farther down in this passage in Philippians 4, right? He says, hey, stop worrying about tomorrow. You're stacking up all these thoughts. It's destroying your joy. Today's got enough worries we're going to deal with today, right? And then he gives you this almost tactical approach to check yourself on where your joy has been. He says, hey, focus on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if it's excellent and praiseworthy, put your mind on these things. So you want to live a life of joy because this world desperately knows it? What are you thinking about? Where are you allowing your mind to go? We all have the ability to think ourselves into depression. We all can. We allow ourselves to dwell. I'm considering, let me tell you, I never thought about joy this much. And I promise you, I'll tell you, I'm a pretty happy guy. But I can tell you my joy has increased by taking two weeks and thinking about joy. I find myself reacting better to weird things that happen and not stressing out about the list. 
of all the junk that has to get done that truly doesn't matter and the client that's not happy about this little thing we made them or whatever it is. I'm like, it's all right. You know what? My greatest battle is fought. I'm going to do everything I can to make this right, but joy is the backdrop. Let's focus our eyes. I don't think it's a bad idea to have an alarm in your phone that goes off every day at some time. It says, am I being joyful? And just asks you a question. Don't ask Siri if you're being joyful. She probably won't know. <laughs> but type it in and say, am I being joyful? And if not, am I focusing on these things? Am I singing songs of worship as an expression of my joy? Am I looking at what's right and what's lovely and what's admirable? Or is my mind consumed by these other things that pull me away from God? Am I joyful today? The second thing, after focusing our attention on the Lord, praising God, as we fight for our joy, is living in obedience God set out a way for us to live, not to confine us, but for us to really find life. In John 15, 9, the words of Christ, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My joy in you, this gift of his joy, and that your joy may be complete, this response to who God is. Right? And I know a lot of us grew up with a background of the rules in church is what made following Jesus, following Jesus. And I'm telling you, if following the rules, it by itself is not honoring God. Following rules because of your affection for him is. Following the rules keeps us out. It's his protection over us. It robs our joy when we break these commands. You know, and when I look at that rejoice, always, it was so much easier for me to say, hey, don't steal. Okay, I get that. That's somebody else's stuff. It's not right. Don't commit adultery. I get that, right? You, it's bad. Hey, rejoice. Somebody at the last service said, you know how they should have wrote that was do not not rejoice. <laughs> I went, that was brilliant. Yeah, because I'm going to be like, I think I got it. Right? It's like the do nots were easier for me to follow than, hey, let's rejoice. Let's follow those, that command. Let's find our joy. And, and the last thing in fighting for that joy is you got to be in community. Our world right now especially is great at isolating you. And for all the greatness of, like, I can work out of my house and I can just now meet with people in a tiny box on my screen, right? We are increasing loneliness. We're not knowing people as well. And we get this false sense of kind of knowing people, but there's so much separation right now. And the Bible talks so much about how it's not good for you to be alone in Genesis. And 
In Ecclesiastes, right, it's two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Find some place. Find some community. We have a great one here, but you've got to be intentional. You can walk in this back door and you can experience a service and walk out and say hello to somebody head to Applebee's and you're out. Or you can come in and let somebody really know you. And when those troubles really come, they can help you fight for your joy. Because the world desperately needs Christians who are full of joy. Here's the thing. (laughs) Your selfishness which we are all lean into, which we all fall back to when we move to fleshly patterns, will hinder, if not destroy your joy. That list of things I just gave you is all about looking out. I follow his commands because I love him. I focus my attention on him. I'm in community with other people. If all of a sudden my focus is me, I got no chance at being joyful And in this social media world, where all we do is compare our lives against someone else's curated, phony life, it's hard to find your joy. I mean, it'd probably be good for several of you to stop saying, well, it's just good for me to see pictures. Let people send them to you. I haven't been on social media in five years. People love me because they can send me a meme that no one else I have never seen. (laughs) They just text it to me, and it's great. You need to decide if it's stealing your joy, because I think it probably is, right? Well, man, that guy got a new truck. I need a new truck. My truck is like 10 years old, and there's a little hole. This is true. There's a little hole in the steering wheel at the top where the metal, and if it's really cold out or really hot, it reminds me that metal is right there, because I grab it, and I go, yeah, Okay. You get, you get involved. I mean, there's literally companies. That exist that will Photoshop you into pictures as if you went on a vacation you didn't go on. And they'll post it to your site so people can be jealous of you. Okay? My wife has a friend who I had seen pictures of on her Instagram. Okay? I felt like I knew her. I knew her story well. Had seen it for quite some time. I met her in person and I said, who is that? And she goes, that's her. And I said, honey, that is not her. That, that is a beautiful girl. And the one I saw online is a beautiful girl. They're both very beautiful girls, but they ain't the same person. And so she had to explain to me, you know, well, this is what they do. They filter all these things. So I'm tweaking all this stuff, right? So it's perfect. I mean, we could go off on this for quite some time. I personally could go off on this. I just, I just hope that girl never goes missing. Because if they, if they pull a picture of her from her Instagram, they will never find her. I kid, but I, do con- I have big concerns about that. I thank God a lot that I didn't grow up with Instagram in my life. <laughs> You know, 
I, as I pondered this, as I thought through joy, I really began to have this thought, what if we as a community really embraced this idea and fought for joy to where people just saw it in us in our regular day? What is the impact on Loganville and the surrounding cities, Walnut Grove and Conyers and Grayson and Monroe? What is the impact? If we just all decided, like, you know what? I'm going to take joy very seriously. Joy has this impact on people. Right? You, know, you want to be around joyful people. You know, my wife got a gift from her work. Um, very generous. It was a $250 gift card to a restaurant called Pompous. And I'm like, ooh, that's nice. My daughter was turning 18, so I went, you know what? Let's all go. Surely $250 will cover all of us. <laughs> okay? Um, I was wrong. I opened, I opened the menu and I went, you're all getting water. <laughs> Okay, but I, I tell you this story because I was sitting across from Natalie, my 15-year-old, and she orders this New York strip steak, and they put it down in front of her, and she cuts it open, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, they cook that good. And she takes a bite of it, and her face, it's like, oh my gosh. And she looks at me, and she says, hey, Dad, no offense, but this is the best steak I ever had in my life. And I said, you're dang right it is for that price. <laughs> It better be. But did I stop there when I watched her experience that? Heck no. What did I say? You give me a bite of that steak ring. <laughs> it's the size of your head. You're not going to finish it. You're a tiny little girl, right? You give me some now before it's cold and you decide you don't want it anymore. I wanted to experience what she was experiencing. I saw it in her face like, holy cow, that's good. What if our joy was like that? What if we walked through Kroger and they could see the joy of the Lord on us? And they're like, what's up with that dude? And I'm not talking about, you know, like you're medicated and walking around and saying, everything's fine. Okay? I mean, you really love the Lord and he's doing something in you and you appreciate him and you look at him and everything you see in your life is with a backdrop. That Jesus died for you, that Jesus secured a place in heaven for you, and your life is just an act of worship and love towards him. Let me tell you this. I've done a lot of funerals, and they are wildly different depending on the life the person has led. Wildly different. I've been asked to play Stevie Ray Vaughan at a funeral. It was fun. Kind of weird, but it was fun. Uh, I've seen crazy stuff. But there's been a couple that I stood in here, and if you would have walked in the back, you would be like, they're doing a night of worship in there. Julian's funeral was this way. I walked in the back. We were about to come out. His wife is standing back there just worshiping to the house music that's playing. And we came out and we played full band because this is what Julian wanted. Julian was, don't cry for me. We did. We missed him. He's experiencing the joy of the Lord. 
in a way that we can only strive towards here. I want my funeral to be like that. I want people to know he wouldn't want us to mourn because he lived a life of joy. He lived a life consumed with being focused on God. So as we wrap up and as the band comes, we're going to do just a little exercise and just kind of breathe for a moment. Stand up for me. Just close your eyes for me for a moment. We can take the house down. I don't know where you are. You could be in the deepest fight of your life. And in this moment, you don't know which way to turn. I'm telling you that God right now wants to meet you in your pain and walk beside you and really bring you into joy. And if you are maybe things just are melancholy and you need to fight for your joy today. I just pray that you're honest with God in this moment. You say, God, I just don't know if I can experience the joy that he's talking about. God, would you increase my joy? Would you teach me how to be joyful? Because we need this in our world so badly, God. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And maybe you are experiencing joy today. Maybe you've been living in it. And there's people in this room who exemplify a joyful life to me. Would you just praise God right now? Just speak to him your thanks for his overwhelming blessing to know him. Knowing Christ is knowing joy. God, pour out your joy in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, move in this place. I want nothing less than all of you, God. Pour out in this place. If today, if you don't know the Lord, if you are not in a place of surrender or if you've been running away from him, just know that he counts you worthy. Not because of what you've done, but because of who he is, his very character, his affection for you, the blood of his son poured out. He forgives you because he doesn't want anything between you and him. Today could be the day that you move from just existing into life, into living, into knowing God. And you could move into joy.